1: Hello and welcome to the Promised Land, a show all about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by football journalist and United season ticket holder Rob Blanchett. You can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, etc, etc. And now you can watch us twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays as Manchester United's season toils uh, to an end. Uh, So head over to our YouTube channel, hit the like button, subscribe and join the community leave a comment as well. And the link should be in the description of this episode. If you're listening on audio, Rob, uh, another defeat then. Uh, although the sun is shining. Uh, spring, summer is in the air. So it's uh, it's not all bad, but the football is awful, right? Indeed.
2: But, you know, as you said, spring, new beginnings. And this is, I think, where we are with Manchester United. As I said a few weeks ago, you know, I don't feel too low about everything to do with United simply because change is here. So we can look forward. We can be blue sky rather than actually thinking about how terrible this season has been. And the transition, I think, from the Oligon and Solskjaer era to the Eric Ten Hag one is almost complete. Ajax's season is nearly over. And that means we're going to have a new manager who is super elite and super motivated.
1: Yes, indeed. A reminder you can follow... Rob and I on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders for me, at underscore Rob underscore B for Rob, and at Promise and MU for the show, we will talk all about United. For the most part, I would imagine quite negative-ish, reflecting on the actual matches that are going on at the moment. But as Rob says there, it's about looking forward now. There's, I think United have, what, four games left with Chelsea on Thursday? Uh, there's Brentford. Uh, Brighton and Crystal Palace left of this season I think and then we can finally put this season behind us put it to bed. Ajax finished their season on May the 15th if I got that correct uh, and are still four points clear in the Eredivisie title race after a late win for Ten Hag's team uh, at the weekend Uh, Brian Brobby scoring after about 88 minutes I think and Rob said off air just now ooh very United very old school United so you know Don't give up till the end. Uh, We'll see if uh, Ten Hag can instill some kind of mentality like that in this United team that he takes over. And we'll talk about that today. How is the project going to take shape under the Dutchman? We'll address Paul Mitchell because there's loads of social media noise around him. Uh, We'll talk about Ralph Ranick and some transfer plans for Ten Hag, I'm guessing, because there has been suggestions that there's a massive £150 budget Or 100 million. I saw 20 or 50 million going around a few weeks ago. (laughs) The the number, just pluck it out of the air, guys. Transfer roulette. Transfer roulette. 600 million today. That's what I'm doing.
2: (laughs) For me, you know, exclusive here on the promised land. 600 million pound budget. No sources, of course, for that. That is just uh, because I looked at the bank account. So uh, there
1: we go. (laughs) 600 million to spend on... Ten players or three players or however one player six hundred million one pound player. player. Let's yeah, find okay. one. Let's let's re-sign <laughs> Paul Pogba when he joins Juventus or something. Indeed, like that. we'll talk. We'll talk about Paul Pogba as well today because I think there's a conversation there to be had. He's pretty much ruled out for at least until the last game of the season. I would imagine. Like that, we'll see him in that either. Uh, but Robin, I don't think it the chapter's fully written yet. So we'll get into that and we'll reflect on his career if he does end up leaving. We'll also talk about the Chelsea game on Thursday. Bit of Harry Maguire chat, bit of Pau Torres chat, and all that kind of stuff too. Um, but let's get into it then because United uh lost to Arsenal at the weekend 3-1. Harry was there. I saw him, saw a picture of him. He's the producer, I saw him in the crowd going like this. Uh for me, that's that's me shaking my fist if you're listening to us, not watching. Uh, and there was a comparison between harry 's professional life, uh, you know Mike at the Emirates talking about the game and him celebrating in the crowd. This is not an arsenal podcast uh, we 'll be reflecting on United uh, and what needs to kind of happen to them in the next few weeks and months under Eric Ten Hag, but this season is a massive write off, and that weekend performance was another another reason to confirm it i 'm guessing so ten Hag 's in or'll be in. Uh, and there's a lot of discussion really about his backroom team. Will Steve McLaren come in? Will Mitchell van der Gaard come in? You know, kind of expecting that to happen, I'm guessing. The, the the coaching team will probably have a bit of a facelift as well. I think Chris Armas is probably going to go to Leeds, um, the way that it looks. And there'll probably be a little bit of a reshuffle, maybe above him as well with the Paul Mitchell speculation. So let's roll it all into one conversation and talk about the off-pitch stuff first, Rob, and then we'll come to the players after this. So how is this project going to take shape with Eric Ten Hag?
2: Well, I think the good thing, first and foremost, and that this is the bit I think we do know, is that this will be shaped by Eric Ten Hag. So this isn't the same as I think in previous years where managers have come in, been given certain amounts of powers, certain amounts of their ear being listened to, to kind of shape things. This is going to be about what Eric Ten Hag wants. So this is where the negotiations really met their kind of crossroads. Of course, we've got to the point now, haven't we, where Pochettino is about to leave PSG and would have been available on the market. Manchester United wouldn't have had to have paid any kind of money to him or to PSG to be able to get him out of a contract. Uh, And they went with Ten Hag, they went with him early because I think they believe him. So this is a really, really important part of the story is that United have cleared out the scouting network at Old Trafford. They are already clearing the decks for this man. And we're, we're at a point now where we're going to see the backroom hide. So you've just spoken about a couple of names there who I think will both be at Manchester United very, very soon. Steve McLaren has been contacted, but again, there's no deal at the moment between with him. And I do think that Steve McLaren is, a, is an obvious um, marker for Ten to come to a football club, someone who knows what the culture of winning at Manchester United is like, but is that unfortunately not particularly popular in the British press? You know, the United fans that I know have spoken to already have gone, Steve McLaren, is this the future? But Steve McLaren is a very, very acute coach. I, I, I believe that, so he'd be part of the story there in the back room. But it's exciting, I think. This is a part now where we can look progressively at people who can come to Man United and actually help this team. Like you just said, the, the Arsenal performance, there was little little bits of the performance where you go, no, you they're not, right the time. yeah, they're not that That's bad. It. You know, you, look, look at you lot when you run around. You actually can do some stuff. Oh, look what you do when the ball's at your feet and you string together four passes. But what's the problem? problem is they don't do it consistently. So Eric Ten Hag's job in simple terms will be to get this playing squad to do the simple things. And they don't do it very well. In the same way that say City do it brilliantly, Liverpool do it brilliantly, even teams like Wolves do it pretty well. So why can you not do it? And I believe that this squad, even with you know, a big a big facelift, some additional players and some people leaving, you could play good football very, very quickly.
1: Yeah. Uh now I've been quite critical of the players. I you know, I think there are a lot of players that do end up that do need to go. I think you've kind of kind of got to turn the chapter, turn the page on them. But we are looking at a team of players with no confidence, who are feeling sorry for themselves, who are literally probably worse than they've ever played in their careers collectively as well, as well as individually. So there's any even minor increase that Ten Hag can get out of them will probably be quite noticeable, I would imagine. Uh, But we'll, we'll see how his team looks moving forward. That'll be high on the agenda as soon as he takes over, I would think. Uh, but we'll talk about that in a little while in terms of the personnel that we might see on the pitch. But we talked about his potential assistance, that there'll be changes to the coaching staff and this kind of thing as well. Let's just talk about Ralph Rannick first, Rob, because I wanted to uh, bring him up because his press conferences are they're getting a little bit more free, you know. Truth I, serum. He's taking yeah. some truth
2: serum on it.
1: <laughs> yeah, he is. And I, I feel like he wants to say more. I feel like he's told these players more. Then he's telling us as well. Yeah. And I feel like the players don't like it. That's why you're seeing so many leaks. Jesse Lingard like Paul Skulls really saw Jesse Lingard down the river at the weekend, didn't he? With like, hey, he won't mind he won't mind this at all. But it's a disaster in there. He won't but he won't mind me saying that. You know, we are we are looking at a dressing room that is kind of broken. Um, but Ranić's had to go in there and tell some home truths and I'm sure the players don't like it. They've had their ego stroked for a a number of years. Now they've paid massive amounts of money, massive amounts of money. And, you know, I think they don't really like getting poked in that way. Um, but Ranić's come in and I feel like this is absolutely completely necessary. Uh, and I think with the 10 Hag appointment, uh, John Murtagh's leaned on him heavily. I know that like this was disputed, uh, in the past and Ranić wasn't actually a part of the process, but he actually admitted last week that uh, Ranick gave his opinion on Eric Ten Hag and said he would be a good appointment and a good fit. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's probably strengthened Ranick's case in the fact that Eric Ten Hag has actually taken the job now. What do you think of, will happen with, with, uh, with Ranick now? Because obviously his, ro- his role beyond this season is still up in the air, although he will be a consultant in a sense, but do you think mm-hmm. there's a case growing for him to be more involved than that? There's a case growing, and I think there is actually a kind of populist vibe amongst
2: United fans that they would like to see Ranić move full-time to a, a role behind the scenes. So there's no doubt that Manchester United on a football pitch in the last few weeks have been awful. So Ranić has to carry some of that. I think us who know the game and watch the game and watch this team know that this is a historical issue. This is not about Ralph Ranić. So you're right. Ralph. I think, is starting to hint a little bit more. And he, and he, did, he was quite direct in his last presser. Where he said, I would like to be involved with Manchester United like more directly than just a consultant. And as you said, he spoke about Eric Ten Hag in glowing terms. And this is now about building an infrastructure above the manager that can help him, that can help him get the transfer targets, that can help the style of football and philosophy to be implemented and people to actually have responsibility, Scott. Because this is again, this is an issue we've had in years gone by where the board make decisions but they are faceless there's no one to take responsibility they just make choices sign a check and it all happens that can't happen anymore united need to be a little bit more open so i think ralph ranic uh, i think he will stay i think that's the vibe we're getting now is a sense that if him and ten hag can chat to each other and find common goals that ralph ranic is an experienced head Will be needed and wanted at Manchester United, and he's already under contract, so there's not really an issue there. You know, it's not like they got, it's just a case of giving him the correct title. Uh, and we do also know that John Murto does want more support around him as a director of football. So you, you can't really get better. I think in class and Ralph Ranick, someone who's built football clubs, his Red Bull CV is amazing. People say, oh, he didn't win anything with the Red Bull clubs. It's not what it's about. It's about building, scouting. I could win something
1: in the next few weeks. They're in the Europa League semi finals.
2: This is it. And, and And I think the thing is, again, that football fans get excited by all things that are shiny and excite them. Yeah. Sometimes it's not about that. It's about infrastructure, hard work, all the stuff you don't see. That's what makes great football clubs. That's why City are great. That's why Liverpool are great. Because it's about infrastructure. It's not just about Manet and Salah and De Bruyne, is it? It's not about just that. It's about what comes first. So, Man United need to do it
1: in the right order. And I think Ralph Ranick is definitely, definitely part of that. Yeah. And it was quite encouraging at the weekend. I'm actually enjoying Ralph's press conferences and his press hits more than the matches at the moment, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, at least he's telling the truth. And he said, he said at one point, I am paraphrasing it, but he said, it's simple, really. We we know, we know what's wrong. It's a big job. It's open heart surgery. Or he said something yeah. along these lines. But yeah. at least we know what it is. And I I know how to fix it. He was kind of alluding to that. Whereas, yeah. you know, for years, fans have been able to point out what the problem is. But United have never actually shown any willingness to fix it because they want to buy these shiny, expensive players. And that kind totally. of thing. Yeah. Uh, and I think that... A uh, question for you here. Like, Richard Arnold has... Uh, it's, it's been reported widely, I think, that Richard Arnold wants to hand over the football processes to John Murta. And I think that you're looking at John Murta here. He's, he's been at United for a while, but mm-hmm. I think he's been leaning heavily on Ranić. Um, and if Murta can be seen as the one to fix this problem, whether it's actually him doing it himself or whether it, he's putting the right people in the right places to actually sort it out like Ranić, and maybe Paul Mitchell will talk about him in a, in a minute, but that's going to reflect brilliantly on him. Do you think that like it's as simple as that and now it's on Murta to construct that team around him? Well, that's definitely the mandate. So the mandate is, you know, what's
2: changed from now to what's been going on with the mess over the last few years? Well, the first big change, of course, is Edward Wood has gone. So Edward Wood was effectively punished by the Glazers for what happened with the European Super League. It was a good excuse for them to move him on. He resigned, of course. But that was a big change to go from him to Arnold. Now, him, Richard Arnold is very similar to uh, to his mates, because they are mates, uh, Edward Ed Wood. But he knows that it hasn't worked, and he doesn't want to be associated with that, so they need change. So the change comes, as you said, in the form of Murto. Murto was given that role, Darren Fletcher in a more kind of advisory assistant role, a connection between the squad and the board. And what was the next step? Well, the next step, of course, is hiring a manager that does those things. So I think when you are starting to look at the infrastructure of Myrto I know people don't want to talk about Darren Fletcher, but he's in the mix there. You need someone else who's experienced as an administrator and someone as an executive, and that's Ralph Rangnick. So Ralph Rangnick can do those things. He can come in straight away and be a, an advisory to the board, but have authority because he's worked with the squad. He's worked with them for five months, and he's gone, well, that youngster's good, you know, Antonio Langer, someone like that. He's done really well for me, but, oh, Marcus Rashford hasn't. So things like that mean a lot to the board, because I think myrto needed that insider information on his own team. Because I think with Oleg and the Solskjaer, they left a lot of that man management to Ole and the oh. team, and the bit they missed out on was the tactics. So the team kind of collapsed around that. And then the club went oh, we're not as tactically good as uh, Liverpool. Why is that? Was oh, it's because they've got Jurgen Klopp. You know, so it's things like that, that that football fans might be able to put together in a pub very quickly, but boards sometimes take months and years to solve. So I think that Murto is a football guy. You know, he came from Everton and, you know, he's got that that gra- grassroots experience. I think he totally understands that a club needs building from the bottom up. But at the same time, the top end of the structure has to support the middle and the bottom. So I, I think this is why Ranić is more likely that he'll stay. And if he doesn't stay, then of course there are other people on the market like Paul
1: Mitchell who could help the football club. Do you think there's a way for both of them to uh, to be part of this structure? Because obviously we've seen, well, everyone's seen the Paul Mitchell speculation over the mm-hmm. last few days. I think there's probably something to it. Um, but I really think that there, there's, I, I think there's interest from United there. I think there's interest from certain people within United there, like a Ranić and maybe a Ten Hag. And then there's other people in there who are maybe not, so that don't fancy it that much. But I am seeing Ranić kind of winning his little, his little battles progressively. And I, I'm kind of thinking that there might be a way in, but I don't think, Rob, that there's a, any real structure or base to this at the moment. I think it's no. gone a lot further social media chat-wise than there's actually progressed in reality. Uh, and the, there isn't really a position for for Mitchell as it stands in this structure, mm. is there? So what needs to happen for him to come in? Okay, I think where it stands with Paul Mitchell, when you kind of look at some of the facts and some of the bits
2: that we do know, Paul Mitchell is a Mancunian, so he would love to come back to Manchester, there's no doubt about that. Currently at Monaco, Monaco about to go through a major restructure, and it's been known for a while that Paul Mitchell will not be part of that restructure. So he is looking for a job his representatives are looking for opportunities. So I think this might be why you're hearing a bit of noise about Paul Mitchell to Man United. But as you just said there, there isn't a position at the moment. So I think it's more that Ranik's got one foot in the door and Ranik and Paul Mitchell are very close. They're they're friends away from football. They've worked together, obviously, at Red Bull. And and I think that they would like to collaborate at Manchester United, but it would mean that Murto would have to restructure a lot of that football operation. So you could bring in one of them as a head of recruitment or say you could bring in Paul Mitchell as a new head of recruitment because United don't have that at the top level and have Randy still as a consultant. You could do that, couldn't you? And that kind of makes a robust structure upstairs and that would work out, I think, in the current... Climate, but you then have to say that Paul Mitchell will be coming in blind. You know, like he would obviously speak to to Ranick. And you then lose him, Ranick's dressing room influence. So Ranick's been there, seen it. You don't want him to fly off to the other side of the world to go and do another job somewhere, which is what he could do as a consultant. You want him at the club. So I think that there is more to come with the Paul Mitchell story because I think it's more it's more to do with what happens at Monaco now. Um, I'm I'm sure he would love to come back to the UK. You know, he's worked everywhere. He's got such a huge reputation. And in fact. His reputation goes before him. You know, he's another guy He's kind of faceless. Like you don't, you know, Paul Mitchell walk past you in the street, you wouldn't know him. You really wouldn't. And he's got this reputation of being able to build football clubs. He's really, really good spell at Tottenham Hotspur. And I think the Pochettino thing is also crucial is that when United were dangling the carrot of Pochettino in the last few weeks and months, there was this kind of idea that maybe those two could be reunited at Manchester United. That's now not going to happen, is it? So I think the Ranick is more akin to Ten Hag rather than Paul Mitchell. But, of course, if Paul Mitchell can help, especially the way that he recruits, you know, he's, he's got a stellar recruitment mm. record. You know, like he discovered Son coming out of Bayer Leverkusen. People were like, well, why are you signing him for Tottenham? You know, he, he was like, that guy could do it in the Premier League, where most clubs were looking at him and going, no chance. So you need someone like that, I think, as a salient brain. And, yeah, having two or three would be good, wouldn't it, Scott, when you haven't even had one in recent times? But <laughs> I think at the
1: moment that there is no position there and Manchester United are not speaking to Paul Mitchell as it stands. Yeah, it would be nice to see, as you as you mentioned there, you know, going from literally zero football acumen yeah. <laughs> at the top to, you know, having too many people for it. Uh, who who kind of fit that real profile well i mean we'll we'll see what happens with paul mitchell i don 't think it's, i don 't think it's completely baseless, but nope. I think it's probably advanced a little bit more than we you know I think fans are getting a little bit carried away with it in, in comparison to what 's actually happening at the moment but you know united do need this uh, do need to address this and it does seem like over the next few weeks that things will clear up a little bit um I think Ranić's role will be really key to this, but I think he really needs to speak to Ten Hag to you know, getting an understanding for each other and this kind of thing. There was a report at the weekend as well. I don't know if you saw this, that R- Rannick was compiling a dossier uh, on mm-hmm. every single player um, and his thoughts on them uh, to pass over to Ten Hag. Any thoughts, Rob? <laughs> um, it's, um, it's my understanding that
2: Eric Ten Hag and Ralph Rannick have already spoken. I know Ralph said in presses we haven't spoken because that's what you're supposed to say, but we've heard that they have spoken. So, you know, this is a whole thing again about. Eric Ten Hag doing no Manchester United things while he's at Ajax. You know, this is again the the, the smokescreen of, well, they've got to win a title, but Eric Ten Hag's not thinking about Man United. I think he is. So um, th- th- this is kind of where we stand. So a lot of that stuff will play out like the pantomime of Manchester United in the media, because that's what it is. But there's no doubt that Ralph Ranić and Eric Ten Hag will be talking a whole lot in the next few weeks and have been speaking already. So, you know, I I think, again, that um, Rangnick does the whole statesman thing really well. You know, he doesn't push the boat, but he gets his point across, doesn't he? Kind of reminds me of Arsene Wenger at his peak. You know, like, he can talk around the subject technically... But he doesn't have to kill everyone with a shotgun. He doesn't have to murder people. He just needs to put his point across and then kind of tell you he's going to fix it. And I like that. You know, I think that's how he's looked at this squad. And he's not, he's not called out individuals, has he? But what he's done is he's gone, we're awful and it needs to be fixed. And, and when he said, yeah, you need new plays, he's not gone, yeah, we need two or three or four. No, he's gone, yeah, you need ten. I like that. You know, that's what you need. You need someone upstairs who's going to put that pressure on the money men at Manchester United. And say to the accountants that run the football club, look, this is your football club. If you don't put the money in, then you're going to be six forever and maybe below. But if you want to catch Liverpool, you want to catch City, you can do it. i just make a little analogy here because people can probably see on, on YouTube that I'm wearing a Boston Celtics shirt. I'm a Boston Celtics fan. At Christmas, the Boston Celtics, who are a huge franchise in America, like Manchester United, maybe similar level, were awful. The worst team you could watch. They were terrible. And what happened? They made some changes and they sorted it out. And now they're really, really good. It shows that in six months you can go from being really bad, put the right people in charge and become good. Now, the project's much longer than that at Manchester United, but you can do it. And I think this is where Ralph Ranić and Ten Hag and even Paul Mitchell, to an extent, can be part of this story because you've got to get the right players in. And we're going to be talking about that a whole lot going forward because there will be a lot of change at Manchester United just even in the next few weeks before pre-season
1: starts. Yeah, Ralph did actually say uh, they would take two or three transfer windows or maybe... I know he said last week that they were six years behind Liverpool, but Liverpool are literally have been really good for four years
2: but he did also say (laughs) like it doesn't it's not he did say it's not like six transfer windows like people were saying like we have all said this is a long build we understand it it's not going to take it's not you know there's no magic for it to be absolutely
1: perfect then yes yeah
2: And, and he was like no you know you can change stuff in two to three windows as long as you get rid of players and bring in the players that do the work and that's really what this is about isn't it like get rid of the joggers scott the people that are at Arsenal were kind of going, well, I'm I'm here on I'm turning up for my wage, and they've done it all season long. Get rid of them and bring in players that will die for the shirt. You know, players that will come in and go to the fans. You know what? I I really appreciate being at Manchester United. It's one of the biggest clubs in the world, and this is my dream. I'm going to put it on the line every week because that's not that's what we haven't got, isn't it, Scott? In, in terms of the playing staff. So, and I think Ranić understands that, and I think Ranić will strategize with Ten Hag if he stays at the club to find
1: those types of players. Did you see the clip of Nemanja Matic on the the bench the other day? (laughs) What was he going... <laughs> yeah, he, was, he was channeling his inner Mourinho, and uh, he was, oh, he was he's, getting he, a bit of, of Mourinho's boy anyway. Fans. So he's, you yeah, know, it's
2: yeah. all there, He's all connected. Probably got Mourinho on his phone or down here. Mourinho's probably going, "Tell him you got three titles." You, know, you got yeah. three. You got. You got three. three. Yeah, yeah, but that all was the, actually quite funny because it was because funny. I, agree, yeah. I agreed with I agreed with Nemanu with it because this is the thing. Like, it's not like, all the problems at Man United are not about Nemanja Matic, are they? You know, I think he can lead the football club with his head held high. He does what he does you know he's never going to take you further on he's older it's the end of his career really or the bottom end of his career and uh and, and he's been a good servant for man united but also he is part of the reason of things that are wrong at united about relying maybe on players that that are not on that first contract you know ralph raney talked about extensively about finding younger players younger talent who want it and are on that that first deal and they want to earn the second deal and that's where united i think needs to now
1: push the market towards yeah, uh, I, I did quite enjoy that. But Nemanja Matic will be one of six players, maybe more than <laughs> more than three, more than two. Uh, six players uh, most likely to leave on free transfers. There will be other departures as well. So I did want to talk about the players, Rob, because mm-hmm. uh, United have been interested in Pau Torres from Villarreal for a long time. Last summer, it looked like they might get him before they ended up uh, biting on Rafa Varan when he became available. Yeah. But I think there's solid interest there in Pau Torres uh and obviously there's a question around Harry Maguire we'll talk about him in a second yeah uh Julian Timber's also been linked you know United also need a, a midfielder or two uh striker has been talked about as well perhaps we won't get all 10 players that Ralph Ranick was talking about in his uh press conference last week although we do think that that will be an inclusion of youth players as well as we mentioned on the last show but uh let's let's talk about players who could who aren't out of contract, that could leave. And like, let's look at Harry Maguire to start with, because he was dropped mm. for the Arsenal game. Mm. Um, is it a realistic possibility that he leaves? Or is this something that United, a problem that United can't rid themselves of? Can they improve him? Can they fix him? Well, there was a big chat on social media, wasn't
2: there, about the toxic dressing room, you know, about who were the toxic players. And, and it was kind of put forward that Harry Maguire was one of them. We can categorically say he isn't. He's not one of them, you know, he's got to be kind of the most moderate, I think. Out he of He just all looks of the places like a, a
1: lovely lad who's having a hard time. And, and the
2: people I know that know him say he's a lovely lad. Yeah. He's a really nice lad, but maybe that's part of the problem. You know, maybe yeah. you need someone who's a bit of a son of a you-know-what in there to do these kind of dirtier jobs. So I think with, with Harry Maguire, there's no doubt that the last 12 months from Maguire have been a complete failure, 100%. But when you go to the start of, or, or say the start of this campaign, off the back of the Euros, he'd had a really good Euros of England. United had finished the season strongly, and he was starting to look like a captain. But I do think that it depends what you want to do, isn't it, Scott, with the progressive style of football? We know what what Ten Hag does and what he wants to do, and ironically, ironically, Maguire does kind of fit that. You know, Maguire would be a could be a ball player playing deep from from that centre back position. But Man United are looking at defenders. So as you just mentioned there, they're still looking at Paul Torres, very much so. You know, I think a very affordable option, a lot of upside. Um, I think him and, and Varane would be a good partnership. But you're also talking there about Timber. And I think that he's a guy that that Ten Hog would love to bring with him. Multifaceted, and also can do play different right things back as well. And I was important. just about to say, exactly, gives you coverage at right back. And I think that's the big upside with Timber. And a lot of development still to come. You know, like he, he wouldn't be coming in as the finished article. So you could probably get them both at a good price. You were just saying there about the amount of players incoming and outgoing. And it's very true. Like part of that will be about the youth system, uh, Garnaccios, we've talked about extensively, Hannibal, they'll all be part of it. But do you know what? You could go out and get a Christian Eriksson for free. You know, so there are players out there that, again, Man United fans are not massively hot on because they obviously want stars. They want to talk about stars. But you've also got to talk about realism and talk about real money. And someone like, uh, someone like Eriksson, who's done really, really well at Brentford, could come in as part of your squad system. And that's how you fix these bits, Scott. Get yourself. Different types of talent that can do different things and then mesh together as one team. And that's that's the same for all sports teams. You know I mean? It's not just football. You need different types of players to do the work. So someone like Ericsson, I think someone you're going to hear a lot more linked to Man United because United are thinking about him. That's something we've heard about. And at Eric Ten Hag, we do know, likes him.
1: Yes, indeed. I, I mean, there's other, there's other noise about somebody like I'm thinking Bubakar Kamara who's out of contract yep. last day. Yep. Uh, another player that would be relatively inexpensive, he's out of contract, be relatively inexpensive to bring in on a wage who would fit a gap at centre-back and in defensive midfield as well because he can play both positions. Uh, You know, how many how many other players, Rob, do you think United will be able to shift on? Because I'm, I'm thinking, I'm looking at Eric Bailly who Ranjic <laughs> actually criticised in his press conference for something he put on Instagram the other day. I thought it was quite funny, but he is right. It's you shouldn't be seeing that happen from a player, where he kind of said, "Play, play me alongside Varane." He was like, "Yes, please, yes, please." Yeah. Uh, so there's him. There's uh, United, willing to sell Aaron Wan-Bissaka. Victor Lindelof could be sold for the right offer. You got other players in there as well. Um, I, I'm starting to forget about them now. Alex Tellez is probably another one, and there's other players all across the squad. how, how many or how much money do you think they can raise, or how many players do you think? they'll end up selling alongside the players that leave for free. Then they're going to get nowhere near
2: in sales what they need to buy. But it's about clearing the wage bill. So this is, again, something that I've talked about extensively because all of these plays, even at the bottom end of the Man United food chain, are on stupid wages and you've got to get them off because it doesn't help you to have someone sat on your bench every week that earns 100 to 150 grand a week, but like might get you two goals. Think about the Cavani deal as well. You know the amount of what they gave Edson Cavani, and then they sold, then they bought Ronaldo, and then Ronaldo's on 50 million, and then you had Cavani's wage in there as well, of around kind of whatever it is, 20 odd. And you think to yourself, what what is this 70 million on 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 two geriatric players? Yes, they can help you, but they're not gonna they're not gonna push you towards being the elite team you want to be. So if you clear. Out the squad in the correct fashion. You can do that. I think this summer you're going to see ten leave. I think that is it. I don't think you could bring ten in, but you could go and look at the ericsson market, like we said there, or as you just said there, any player that is that is a free market agent now. You can go there and say yes, we'll give you a two year contract. Yes, you fit our wage structure. Yes, we'll give it a go because you might not get it right first time, Scott. You might just be able to bring in players that. They give you an immediate uplift or give your structure of your squad something more. Because Man United haven't got that at the moment. You know, then you're going to have someone like Donny van de Beek return to the squad. There's no doubt he will play under Eric Ten Hag under some capacity. You know, he will be included, but then you will have players leaving. You know, we talked about uh, Jesse Lingard will leave the football club, undoubtedly. And I think there's more likely the top end, Marcus Rashford has offers abroad. And I think that he will be looking at those offers and, Anyone could leave. You just said that, Eric Bae. It's kind of funny, isn't it? It Kind of did the the pray emoji, you know, kind of pick me in the team. If I'm the manager of that club and a player does that to me, they've gone. Uh Gone. You don't, you just don't do it. You know, keep it in the dressing room. And if you don't want to keep it in the dressing room and you're going to do stuff like that on social media, you are gone. So I don't think Eric Bailly will be at Man United next year. I don't think he's good enough. I think that's the main reason. I think that's the, the big overruling kind of uh, encompassing criticism of Eric Bailly. You're just not good enough. Sorry, goodbye. But there's a there's a lot of United players like that. I think Aaron Wan-Bissaka might well be moved on as well. They might try and recoup some money there. But uh, we, talk, we talked at the start there about the captain. I, I think that his place at United is at risk. If United could get 40 or 50 million, for him, which still sounds like a lot of money. Yeah, hamper, it? It, 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 well, no, you say that, but there's no... There's, if, if if Newcastle! Uh, you, like, if Newcastle are, no, seriously, if Newcastle are looking for an England centre-back and they're going into a, uh, a World Cup period where their owners will want to make a splash in Qatar simply because of the Middle East region. What do you do? You go and buy England players. It happens. That's what they do. So Maguire going to Newcastle is not something that I think, you know might not have. I think Dean Henderson going to Newcastle again is that kind of play. Jesse Lingard to Newcastle. Newcastle could just buy everyone, couldn't they? <laughs> just buy all Man United reserves, just take them away and the captain. Yeah. But um, but that could happen. I do think with him that it, it depends about how he starts in pre-season because I think that is important. I think if he has a good pre-season under the new manager, he won't be shown the door because he's still an experienced pro and let's be honest, not everything at Man United is Harry Maguire's fault. You know he's a scapegoat, and yes, oh, he's. No, it he, is Rob. It's, yeah, but he played. <laughs> he's played awfully. His form's awful. But you can say that for all of them, every one of them, not one of them has really hit their marks this year. Cristiano scored a ton of goals this year. His form overall for the campaign has not been great. It hasn't. You know, there's been plenty of games. we stood on the halfway line. Hands on hips like this, being Ronaldo. So, United, there's not one player, I think, that can go to Eric Ten Hag and say, I was great last year. Maybe David De Gea, that will be it, and no one else.
1: We'll talk about David De Gea, I'm sure, in a a future episode. We don't really have enough time today. But although... uh... I'm just reading something from the Daily Mirror which says that video calls will happen between Ten Hag and every United player in the next three weeks or so. So that will be interesting. And that brings me on nicely to, uh, I wanted to reflect on Paul Pogba's career at United because Mm -hmm. he's injured. Uh, United have about a 15-day gap between their penultimate game and their last game. Maybe we'll see them there. see him there, but I don't think that will happen. As it stands at the moment, nothing is confirmed, but it does look like Pogba will leave for free. Uh, and whether Ten Hag can will have a conversation with him, whether Pog was actually decided on that, and or whether Ten Hag could convince him to U-turn and that you know be a part of his project remains to be seen. I think it's unlikely, but I'm not saying it's impossible. I, I did want to reflect on his career, Rob, because I tweeted the other day that it was it's the club's fault. Not his, really. No, this, I'm not, not en- entirely saying that Pogba isn't without any blame at all for his part in this six years that he's had at United and failing to get the best out of himself. But we spent so long criticising United for buying expensive players on massive wages who are commercially massive prospects who can get trending on Twitter or can sell shirts or all this kind of stuff. And Pogba was probably the first one I think to he, he was he was the the symbol of that era, right? Which I think is it started after Ferguson left, and Edward would love that that profile of player. Talked mm. about how players need to be in Ballon d'Or top lists and that kind of stuff. Um, I don't think it's Pogba's fault. He, he's he's spoken about in a recent interview how he never knew what his role was at United, yeah. and people are desperate to pin all of the blame on him. But my question would be to you. What are you expecting him to do? Because he's played at six, he's played at eight, he's played at ten, he's played left wing, he played, played up front a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. What? Pogba's never had that consistent, defined role where he said, this is your job, go and do it. He's been asked to score goals, to assist, to tackle, to do everything, to cover every blade of grass like Roy Keane would have or like Brian Robson would have. And mm-hmm. ultimately, people have pinned the blame on him. And I think it's really misguided. Uh, to pin the blame on him. He's the fall guy. He's the long-term fall guy. Harry's, Harry is the fall guy now, but Paul Pogba's had had it in his neck for six years or so.
2: Paul Pogba's had it in his neck since the day he left for Juventus. So that is, yeah, that's true. how long... Yeah. This is how far this goes back. You know, when Paul Pogba couldn't get in Fergie's team and Fergie played a midfielder, Sun Park and Raphael one week and put Paul Pogba on the bench as a kid... People were like, what's going on here? Why is Pogba not playing? And Pogba looked at that and went, I'm leaving. And people have held it against him ever since. So there is that. So I think with Paul Pogba, you know, what is he going to do? And is it his fault? There's no doubt that I think every individual player has to take their own form into account. It's on their neck. They carry all of that. And I think Paul Pogba would be the first one to say to you, I have not played to the levels that Maybe I wanted to play at Man United over that period. And you've got to remember that when he came to the football club under Mourinho, she said it was this big restructuring and this kind of galactico leaning towards finding players that can do all of that commercial work. And I, I, I know for a fact Paul Pogba knows that, but it doesn't help players when they feel like they're a commodity. So there are players that have come to Man United in the last 10 years and they have been brought to the football club by Edward Wood because they're a commercial commodity. And that does not help your football form. So Paul Pogba has known this. Now, he's kind of comfortable with it in one sense because he does all the Instagram stuff and the social stuff and Adidas, and he'll do all of that posturing because it's his job, part of it. But at the same time, there's not been a holistic feeling around the Man United squad, and I think that's been a bigger problem than Paul Pogba's individual form. So what will Paul Pogba do now? Um I still think there's a tiny chance you'll stay, a tiny chance, because all we can go by is the information that we know. And we know that a year ago, he told Manchester United, if we can agree a contract, I'll stay. That's what he said a year ago. Now, that's a long time ago. A lot's happened since then. But there isn't a lot of takers for Paul Pogba in Europe simply because of the kind of deal that he will command, because he is a commodity. So if he goes to Real Madrid, he will still be a big commercial commodity. If he goes back to Juventus, he becomes a big commercial commodity. So that comes with a value. But it's about Paul Pogba, the footballer. Can Paul Pogba win at Man United under Eric Ten Hag? Now, as a football analyst and as a football fan, my straight-up opinion on that is yes. I do think so. So all of these things are on the table still. I I, I think it's more likely that Pogba will leave. You know, if he gets the offer that he wants from a big club who can win and can put him as part of their jigsaw puzzle, then maybe it's time for him to go. But he's been ridiculously blamed for everything, isn't it? It's like, you know, the air smells at Old Trafford. It's Paul Pogba's fault. Oh, it's raining at Carrington. It's Paul Pogba's fault. Oh, Man United haven't done this this week. It's Paul Pogba's fault. And you know what? A lot of that comes from the fans. So I'm turning that back on the United supporter base because you've bought into that narrative and you've played it yourselves. So let's not just blame players all the time. It is up to them to play well. But I don't think Paul Pogba, you know, is, you know, just singing a tune at Man United and and doesn't want to win and doesn't want to help Man United. I really think he does. I truly believe that, that if the situation and conditions were right at Man United, we would see a better Paul Pogba. So fingers crossed, you know, because I think that with this rebuild that we're doing, we're talking about... 10 going out you could do with keeping paul pogba you really really could a player of his type and add players around him to make him better and make them better paul pogba is not a toxic voice in the dressing room he's actually one of the more quiet guys and i don't think again it's more about the fans isn't it scott like if he signed a contract tomorrow would it be met with you know, happiness from Man United fans. You tell me. I think the answer to that would be no. There'd be a ton of United fans going absolutely apoplectic.
1: Yeah, uh, he obviously got uh, the brunt of some, you know, criticism at Old Trafford a few weeks ago. Uh, I put a tweet on it, out on it on Friday, Saturday, I think it was, and the replies were split. I think it went quite big, mm. but the replies were split. Yeah, People do blame everything at his, at his feet. Uh, it's just it's it, unfortunate yeah. it's it's not he got, it done booed. Well. He is he not got booed and he played well. well
2: he got booed taken mm. off and he played alright like it wasn't it, you know so this is the thing I know people say oh no it's it's a longer term thing and people are talk, thinking about the last six years you don't boo someone for six years of football You. you it, it's, it's ridiculous so I, I, I think with Paul Pogba Maybe the love affair for him with Man United is about to end because he has always talked about that, about how he feels about United. But there's certainly not; it's not reciprocated with the fans, and I think that might be one of the real telling factors in the next few weeks.
1: Yes, we'll see what happens with him. I I do still expect him to leave, but I mean, for me, he's a victim of the commercial strategy, the the transfer strategy that United have employed over the last uh, six to nine years or whatever. And he is the unfortunate fall guy. He was the the main statement. He was the first statement of that strategy. And that has kind of followed him around the entire time. United have been criticized massively for buying expensive players and just fitting them in without any real plan. Uh, And everybody recognizes that. So why are we looking at Paul Pogba and pinning the blame on him for not being able to do it all? Like it, 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 It doesn't really make sense to me. If you're going to blame the club for getting things wrong, it's not Pogba's fault. It's the club's fault. And, he's and not do you know
2: what? Blameless, uh, No, uh, but he's still here yeah. at the moment as 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 we're talking. And do you know what? He could have left ages ago. He could have gone. I'm done okay. with this. But he stuck with it. You know, Romelu Lukaku. When Romelu Lukaku wasn't getting picked, and Ole was saying, "Can you run the channel?" Romelu Lukaku got upset. Yeah. You know, boo hoo hoo. Threw his toys at the pram. And we had to sell him. So, like, you know, Paul Pogba hasn't ever done that. Paul Pogba still worked really hard behind the scenes, and that's why I've. Stuck with Pogba. You know, I, I, I've been critical of him at times on the pitch and said, yeah, he, he, you know, needs to play better. He needs to do this, out and the other. But you know what, Scott? I don't expect Paul Pogba to do what Fred does. I don't expect him to be running around and doing slide tackles and all of that stuff. It's not part of his makeup. You know, we don't expect Luka Modric to do that, do we? So I, I make those comparisons because I think when you have flair players, they, they, you want them to do flair things. And Paul Pogba is a flair player, but yet we look at him because he's a, he's a big guy and a big unit and is pretty quick across the ground when he needs to be. We look at him as something else. And I think that that is also part of the problem.
1: He's never had Casemiro behind him, has he? Like, I'm not saying he's completely blameless. Totally. He has said some stuff and he, has, he hasn't he has always performed to his very best. He has said some stuff that might have rubbed people up the wrong way. But at the end of the day, you need to zoom out and look at what United are getting criticised for now and what they're trying to fix mm. and then apply that to Pogba and realise that, oh, actually, yeah, we should probably look yeah. at the club here, not the player. Anyway, uh, Pogba will not feature against Chelsea on Thursday at Old Trafford. We're going to have to run a bit long today, Rob. There's been a lot... Of, topic points to cover. Uh, We'll talk about Chelsea briefly because they play at Old Trafford on Thursday night. United are in danger of of qualifying for the Conference League.
2: So how
1: important is this to win? Because West Ham lost at Chelsea the other day. Wolves lost to Burnley the other day. And I was kind of hoping that they could like, you know, jog on ahead, take some wins and put United into eighth as they lost their last four games or failed to win any of them. But it's looking like with West Ham in Europe, and they've got a difficult fixture list, that United might have to come sixth. Although I'm not entirely sure how it works. If you, if West Ham win the Europa League, do United drop it in the conference? Yes, they do. There?
2: Yeah, they do. They drop. Right. If West Ham win it, and it it it, it changes Is that the, the or do they? The, they, they do they'll they'll be going to the Champions league. league. West Ham would go into the Champions League, wouldn't they, as winners of the Europa League? Are they in the conference? Hang on, I'm trying to think. No, they're if, in the Europa Ham, League, aren't they? If West
1: Ham comes seventh. <laughs> If if, if if Liverpool or Chelsea win the FA Cup sorry we, we are completely uh, we're, we're not talking from a, a point of like authority here we're, no. we're trying to work this out ourselves <laughs> as we record there I, are I definitely there, scenarios yeah. there are scenarios where United could qualify for the conference league I do not want that to happen it might no. happen uh, but can you see any but there was a little bit of a revival the other day against Arsenal though United did end up losing can you see any improvements for the rest of the season <sighs>
2: Can you see improvements? Let's take the Arsenal game just as an example, 10 Hag coming into the football club, that you would expect maybe one or two to pick their performances up. And again, I think against Arsenal, we saw it in spells. Is that enough to go and win your last four games? Probably not, especially when you look at the opposition. But I think, if, if for me, I would much rather Man United come eighth now and just have a clean slate next year and not have these trips abroad. The Conference League and the Europa League are the most punishing tournaments going. United fans, again, and I think this is a global thing where United fans go, well, no, I still want to watch United in Europe. I want to see United play European games. But, you know, if you want to build a proper team, you can really do without that competition. So, for me, if you don't get fourth, get eighth, and be happy with it. Because it means nothing next year, does it? It doesn't mean next year you're kind of like, oh, you're less of a team because you're not in the Europa. You know, it's one of those competitions where you're going to see a lot of rotation. I think Ten Hag would use the tournament to blood players more. But as a fan who goes to Old Trafford every week, I don't want to go and see it. I really don't I'm not interested. I always say about the Europa League, I don't look at it until the last four. Literally, you know, like all of the game before that does not interest me. And it interests Man United why? Because they want to make money out of tickets and commercialism. What would they do, Scott? They put Europa League kit out, Europa League jacket. Come and buy this at the at the megastore for 129.99. You know, hmm. that's kind of why they want to do those things. As a football fan, not interested in it. And and I think the players as well would appreciate being with Ten Hag on a training pitch and playing one game a week in the Premier League. That would be bliss for a year.
1: Yeah, there's not going to be that much of a chance for, well, Ten Hag comes in, let's say the players come back after an elongated international break at the end of the season. I think England have four games uh, and I think a lot of teams have four games in the Nations League uh, to encounter after the season finishes. Yeah. So then that's what, two weeks off or something like that, two, three Nothing. weeks and then yeah. United are going on pre-season tour. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's not going to be a lot of time, uh, A, for the players to rest and B, for Ten Hag to start his training session. So coming eighth and having a bit of time to work on systems and that kind of stuff will be really beneficial.
2: And and I think the good thing is is that the stigma will not be attached at all to Ten Hag next year. So Man United coming eighth this year, yes, people will take pot shots at Ranić and people will blame Ole until they're blue in the face, et cetera, et cetera. But Ten Hag could go into the campaign next year completely with fresh set of eyes on everything and feel okay about that and not have anyone say, well, that was your fault. Because that's the problem, isn't it? It's a bit like Arsenal, Varteta. You you can look back to last year or, you know, if you don't qualify for something and say, well, you were there, so that's your fault. You can't do that with Ten Hag. And, and I think he needs it, Scott. I think he needs a clear run at this where he can build a Premier League squad that is suitable for the top four. And I don't think they're that far from that objective. Already, you just well, they're need not to get far.
1: Far. No, the fun. Still, no. There's this only... is at the, the thing. weekend that they were out of the race. Now <laughs> you are. And you <laughs> on the up, Tottenham <laughs> who are insanely good, and Man United who are at their very <laughs> worst level ever. And this, they only now just missed top. Four. You are garbage. And if you'd been just a tiny bit better,
2: you'd be top four. Would be done already. You'd be in the top four. You know, you look at Chelsea and how they've performed over. This season, they're champions of the known universe, Chelsea. Yeah, champions of Europe as well, and they're not that good. You can catch them. So I think Ten Hag will look at the United project positively because of that. I think he'll go, well, I'm going to get rid of some players, but I'll bring some players in. But the gap between eighth and fourth is almost like zero. It's not a lot in it, and it means you can go to the next campaign, you've got a huge advantage and a lot of muscle to go and get top four in your first season if you're not in the Europa League. That would be a big advantage to Man United.
1: You look at all... United have lost to Watford 4-1. They failed to win at Burnley. There's all these different teams that United were just really poor against that they failed to win. They United have not won 19 out of 34 games this season. Yeah, I I worked out...
2: Yeah, I worked out that United have thrown away 14 points this year. Like, actually, in games where you could go and just win it simply and it's normal... Kind of, I went through the fixture list and did some maths and looked at old stats. And I think they're thrown away around 14, which means they would probably be third now, comfortably, you know, above Chelsea. So that's on United, isn't it? That's on the team, that's on the playing squad, that's on Ole, that's on the past last 12 months. But it does mean that Ranić can look forward, not Ranić, sorry, Ten Hag in this case. And if Ranić stays at the football club, that they can look forward to building a team that can be top four next year and then
1: start to compete. Uh, you'll be at Chelsea on Thursday, do you think?
2: I will be there, yes. Do you, do you I, I, I've, I've been t- I've been thinking about not going because I don't want to watch this lot, Scott. Being completely honest, <laughs> as, a, as a football fan, you know, I go, as a journalist, I go for work and those things are set in stone. I have to do certain things at Old Trafford. But when I'm going as a fan, and I will be going for the Chelsea game as a fan, do I really want to watch this lot? I, re- I watch Bruno Fernandes and he really frustrates me at the moment. Every game I watch... And he just gest- gestures and rolls around and moans and cries and all of this. and I'm just like, "Get off the pitch. Now that's just Bruno, but it counts for all of them. It really does. There's not one of them that I gravitate towards as a fan. and this is why I'm looking forward. you know this is why I feel the blue skies because I think new manager he will get rid of this culture at Man United and invent something that's a much more robust and much more nicer to
1: watch as a football supporter. Yes, indeed. Uh, we'll see what happens with the Chelsea game on Thursday, Rob. We've been uh, we've been chatting for a long time with 52 minutes in nearly. So uh, we better wrap up there anyway. Uh, we'll be back on Friday uh, after the Chelsea game. We'll see what kind of performance United put in and maybe reflect on that a little bit. They then played Brentford on Monday night. So there'll be a few days break between matches, and maybe we'll see some advancements off the pitch whether that be for transfer targets or backroom staff or people upstairs you can subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts on apple google spotify and the likes and you can watch us twice a week as i mentioned on tuesdays and fridays so head over to our youtube channel hit the like button comment subscribe and join the community and the link should be in the description of this episode if you're listening on audio and just another reminder you can follow us on twitter too uh my at is at underscore scott saunders at underscore Rob, underscore B for Rob, and at Promise and MU for the show. Thank you very much for listening, everyone, and we'll see you soon.
0: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from.